Hey everyone, and welcome back to Cedar and Cypress podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Allison. Hey guys, we're here again. You made I it. I never like know what to say after that. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, we're here. Hi, it's us. We're starting yeah. another one. <laughs> well, we know we're a couple days late. We missed you guys. We missed recording, but yes. like it's hectic sometimes. It does. Our lives are a little crazy at the moment. Um, I will take full blame because I feel like I'm the one who no. <laughs> rescheduled the recording many times. Life gets crazy when you're working and trying to do mm-hmm. school and trying to do new classes. And I think I said in the last episode mm-hmm. that me and Allison were both in really difficult classes yeah. in our degree programs. Like both of us at the same time are in some of the hardest classes of our programs. And so I think just getting the ball rolling with this semester has taken a little bit longer than other semesters. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like it usually takes me like a week. And this time it's like we're on week three and I'm finally starting to feel like I'm getting the hang of it. And like, yeah, it's becoming normal. I feel like it's, it, I hate the feeling of just not being able to catch your breath for like weeks on end. Yes. And there were, we just had two and a half weeks of that where like, I'm in an accounting course, you're in your biblical languages courses, and it's just a lot to do. And you also want to have a life too. You want to be going out and having fun and hanging out with friends and stuff. So it's important to have that time as well as not, not just be doing homework the whole time, but yeah. And I think it's really important to us both that because this podcast is a hobby, we don't want to look at recording as like a task or a chore. We do want it to be for fun. We want it to be enjoyable, not like resent having to sit down and schedule it. So right. we want it to be fun. And this this is flexible for us. That's right. mainly what we're trying to say. But we love doing this and we're glad to be back. <laughs> yes, for sure. Very glad to be recording again. Well, today we're going to talk about a super fun topic. We're going to talk about deconstruction today. Yes. So this is obviously something that we've heard going around for a while now. It's been a a pretty big buzzword uh, in the church and just in the world in general and culture today, too. So um, we're definitely going to talk about uh, the entire topic. We're going to talk about, you know, what it is, where it came from, what it's characterized by, um, our personal experiences with, uh, you know, us and people that we know uh, when it comes to deconstruction. So we're going to really get into it. Um, but before we do, Allison, what was your, I was about to say favorite part of your week, but what was the best part of your week? I guess either one. Yeah, I guess either one. Um, okay. So the other weekend was super fun because I think it was Saturday or Sunday and, um, my sister-in-law is off work and I've recently got her interested in house plants. So <laughs> we went house plant shopping and to a really cool coffee shop in the city. And yes. I, house plants and coffee are like my love languages. Like those are some of my favorite things in the world. So it's fun to just go look at plants and have a really, it was one of the best ice lattes I've ever had. And I say that as someone who has had so many coffees in my lifetime. It was one of the best iced lattes I've ever had. What kind was it? Was it just it like a regular like, iced latte? I think it was oat milk, but it was the way the coffee was made. I don't even know what roast it was. I have no idea what kind of coffee they <laughs> used, but it was amazing. It was just like oat milk, ice, and the, the espresso. Oh my gosh. Now I want coffee. Now I want I like an latte. It's like 9 p.m. right now. Yeah. I'm like, I want an iced latte to keep me up all night. Um, yeah, I don't know why actually, um, I say that, but coffee doesn't affect me like that. Like it's more at this point in my life, like a necessity to Mm -hmm. be a normal person rather Mm -hmm. than it is like a, something to keep me awake, which is absolutely terrible. I do not 10 out of 10 don't recommend getting to this point (laughs) with caffeine where you're like, I need it. But anyways, you know, it'd be crazy. That sounds so fun. If you were to what? see like all the coffee you've consumed in your life, like in like a giant oh, tank no. or something. No, no, I don't terrifying. want to. I really don't want to. I would be able to swim in it. Like it <laughs> yeah, would same. be a swimming pool and I an don't ocean. know how big either. Yeah, maybe an ocean. Who knows? Oh, something like that. Oh my gosh. Like even just the last week, it's got to be like a kiddie pool or something, which is terrifying to think about. <laughs> Like just a kitty pool. Well, it's like terrifying, but also like my dream. I don't know. Yeah, just that's amazing. I can't decide. <laughs> like, uh, 
it's like part of me is like, oh my gosh, like iced coffee in a pool. Like that sounds terrible. And then it's like, wait, no, does actually, it that sounds like the best thing ever. Like get me a straw. Yeah. <laughs> I think our, I think our heads on our little backwards today. Possibly. What was yeah. the best part of your week? Um, honestly, the best part of my week as a whole, I feel like it's just the beach. Like, so it's finally starting to get warmer here. Um, it has been like not, not cold, but definitely spring weather where it's kind of like 60s, 70s and the water has been still freezing, you know? Yeah. And so in order to enjoy it, you need it to be like hot, hot outside. And so these past two weeks or so, it started to get that like summer uh, weather where it's like 80, 90 degrees. And so when you go to the beach and the water's still really cold, but it's like 80, 90 degrees outside, it just feels so refreshing. I mean, you know, you definitely have to get that initial like dunk in there yeah. over with, but then after that, it just feels so refreshing. So I went to the beach, I think like three times within this past week. Um, and I mean, once is just to go like sit on the beach and like have a picnic with my husband and stuff. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, but then the other two times were like actually to go to the beach and like go yeah. in the water and stuff. And it was just really nice. That's awesome. It was fun. Yeah. We did kind of like a polar plunge thing on Saturday night. Who's that? Um, it, like the, you know, like the polar bear plunge where you like run in the water when it's like freezing. Oh, okay. So obviously it wasn't freezing outside, but the water is still right. like 50 degrees. So we were like, Oof okay, we're going to do it. We have to go. We're going to run. And like everybody, there were people on the beach and they were all kind of like laughing at us and being like, okay, you guys are crazy. But, um, yeah, it was fun. So honestly, yeah, the beach, I'm loving the beach. I'm excited for summer. It's one of, honestly, it's probably my favorite season possibly. Mm. I really love it. So, yeah. All right. So we are going to jump into our topic. We're going to talk about deconstruction. Um, like I said before, um, so we kind of just wanted to start off the topic, um, discussing what is it? Um, obviously we've heard this term floating around all over the place. Um, I'm sure that you've heard, you know, someone talking to you about them, uh, selves going through it, or you might be going through it yourself. It's all over the place (laughs) to be honest. Um, so it's definitely something that we see in culture too, where people are, um, a lot of times promoting this, um, as a a good thing. And we're going to kind of talk about, you know, good and bad in it. But, um, basically we kind of made a working definition for what faith deconstruction is in our opinions and from our perspectives. So, um, basically if you haven't heard of it, if there's a chance you haven't heard of it, faith deconstruction is an increasingly popular term for sure, but it's, uh, we define it as a movement in evangelicalism by which people question, doubt, and dissect the key tenets of their Christian faith for better or for worse. Um, so typically the idea is undergirded by the assumption that absolute truth cannot be known. So it's only supposed and communicated. It's not necessarily it's not something that you can know. It's not something that's actually concrete. Um, so a lot of this is embedded in postmodernism, which we do have an episode on that um, that Allison did on her own um, a couple episodes back. Um, so if you want to take a, a listen to that, it's kind of a little bit of a shorter episode just discussing postmodernism and the church. Um, so definitely would recommend that. But in short, postmodernism is kind of the idea that there is no absolute, like there isn't Um, Anything that we can know for sure, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. It's all subjective. So deconstruction is kind of embedded in that idea that there really is no absolute truth and that, you know, it can't be known for sure, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of where the idea, I guess, would stem from if you think about it internally, Um, you know, kind of starting to begin to question and doubt and think different things about your faith. Like, well, what do we really know? Like, is this true? Um, Et cetera. So Um, Did you have any thoughts on that, Allison, just to start off with the definition of deconstruction? We love our definitions on this podcast. We really do. do. I think it's so important to like just verbally explain what we're talking about before we get into it. I think it's really key that you mentioned postmodernism because when you approach even just saying that deconstruction is kind of undergirded by subjectivity is, I feel like it's controversial in itself, depending on the circle you're with. Some people I think would completely agree with that but others would not be as cool with that idea. 
But mm-hmm. when you when you trace it back to its origins, which we're going to talk about in, in a little bit, but just kind of as a glimpse here, when you trace it back to its postmodernist origins, as I've explained, postmodernism is completely embedded in subjectivity. It's the idea that we can define ourselves, we can better ourselves, and we ultimately can't know what is good or right. So we have to determine it on our own and live into what we think is best. And that idea, like you said, just undergirds so many things in today's Western and especially American culture. And it seeps into evangelicalism in this area particularly, but in other areas as well, when you talk about sex, gender, marriage, but especially in deconstruction. So we want to make that clear moving forward that we don't, we don't want to just set up hostility to it, but when we define it and really look at what it is, we have to really take it with a grain of salt. Don't want to just accept what it is right off the bat because we see so many popular Christian figures doing it or people in our lives are doing it. People they respect and looked up to just because they're accepting it doesn't necessarily mean it's okay for us to jump straight into the waters and like dive mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. I mean, kind of going off of that too. Um, I do think that there are good and bad sides to deconstruction. And I do think that there is kind of a difference between this word and what it really means at its core and what society defines it as in today's day and age. Um, Because I think when we think of deconstruction, just based on what culture says, it's kind of like, um, oh, yeah, so you're taking your faith and making it your own. Um, almost, you know, like you're, you're kind of taking it and making it what you want it to be. And you're making it to fit your life and your desires rather than, you know, uh, which honestly is contrary to scripture, like, cause you're taking it and making it what you want in your own human selfishness. Mm -hmm. You're not taking it, you're not taking your faith and comparing it against real truth, which is scripture. So, um, you know, which is God's word. So, With that said, deconstruction can technically be, you know, a good thing when it's used in the right way and in the correct context and when our doubts and questions can be held up against the right things. Because some of the things that we may have heard growing up should be questioned. Um, You know, we're not saying that you should believe everything that you hear. Um, You know, you should be able to test things and ask questions. Um, You should be able to, um, you know, come to the word of God and come to the Lord with doubts uh, about, you know, whatever it might be, whether that be uh, your faith as a whole, whether that be something in scripture, you know, et cetera. So, um, you know, you should be able to question those things and you should be able to find the truth. Um, Like, for instance, uh, another episode, we talked about purity culture for example, um, you know, that's something that we were told in church a lot of times, you know, this is something that was very much hammered into our heads, um, as we grew up in Christian culture. So that is something that, um, you know, it's like the more that you question it, the more that you hold it up against scripture, you come to realize that maybe it's not as biblical as some churches or some people in the church may have made it sound like things like that. I think deconstruction can actually be a helpful thing because we're taking things that weren't true to begin with, holding them up to scripture. So the source of all truth and then realizing this might not have been true. So I need to like hold, you know, these things up to the right thing. Um, However, if we meet our doubts and questions with resources given by the world, uh, a lot of times we'll end up believing what society and the world say with little regard to scripture, to God's word, to truth. Um, but if we turn to the source of all truth, which is God and his word in times of doubt or questioning, then we'll find objective truth as God intended it. Um, I remember something that my mom told me a long time ago, because I remember that um, I was having a lot of questions and I was having you know doubts and like, Uh, You know, I'll talk about this a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later in the episode because we're going to kind of share our own experiences. But I do remember uh, her telling me that I didn't have to be afraid to ask questions, that I didn't have to be afraid to bring my doubts to the Lord, because if this was really true, then I was going to find that I was going to find the truth. Um, you know, by asking questions and stuff. Um, but she also told me to remember not to go running to the wrong things to find like what I want to hear, you know? And of course this is coming from the mindset that there is objective truth 
you know, that this is not a postmodern mindset. So I understand when that gets in the mix, it can definitely be a little more complicated, but. I think it's important too, that as Christians to admit to ourselves, there's things that we don't know. Like Mm -hmm. we're not always going to find clear, concrete answers to our questions. And that's okay because the key tenets of our faith are the most important pillars by which everything else is held up. And there are going to be things that Christians are even going to contest amongst each other. I mean, look at us. We have so many dominations, so many different ways of carrying out even the sacraments, things like that, that we're going to disagree on things, but remember it's okay to ask the questions and it's okay to struggle to find the answer and to admit that you're, that you don't know, like even growing up, my parents, when I would ask some questions, they would just say, we don't know, like God didn't give us that answer, but we're going to know someday and we're going to be able to ask him that. But for now, what's important is what you know right now in the scope of understanding that he's, he's given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think something that's kind of important to, I guess, define is what our primary issues Like what are primary things that we need to know? Like, this is the truth. We need to stand firm on that. And then what are like the secondary and then even like the tertiary um, issues, you know, kind of like what's different denominations and everything like most uh, like, well, all denominations within the Christian faith that are true believers are going to have the same core beliefs Mm -hmm. within scripture. They're going to stand firm on those, like the message of the gospel and the Trinity and the incarnation, et cetera. But um, there might be little things Um, Well, not even little things that might not be the right way to put it, but there might be other things, (laughs) uh, separate things that um, are not as central to the Christian Mm -hmm. faith in the same way as like uh, those core doctrines, you know, like the sacraments and baptism, things like that. Like those are very important. They're very much a part of the Christian faith. Um, but it's not like if you believe it one way or you believe it another way, we're going to just completely say that you are denouncing your faith. You're denouncing scripture and you're not a true believer or a true follower of Christ. Um, so I think it's kind of important to figure out like what those issues are mm-hmm. and like what you definitely need to stand firm on. Yeah. Um, but I still think, you know, comparing everything to scripture, of course. Um, but it's definitely true. We will never know like every answer to yeah. every question. Um, I can say as someone who has been studying this now for quite a while that the more you study, sometimes it feels like the less, you know, Yeah. (laughs) like the more you look into it, the more complicated it seems to get. And there are a lot of answers that you can find and a lot of doubts that can be calmed with, you know, many comforts within God's word. Um, But sometimes you do ultimately just have to trust that, you know who God is and you know what his word says and you're just going to trust that he has all the answers and that you don't need to know every single little detail about everything because we can't even comprehend it all. You know, God is so much higher than we are. He's so much more transcendent than we are and has so many attributes that we don't have um, that we couldn't comprehend it yeah. even if we knew the answer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's some things I'm okay not knowing. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. For I know I will add too to what you said about the more we study the scripture. For me, at least, I won't speak for everyone else or even for you, but for me, the more I read read the Bible every single day, the more it reinforces and stabilizes the things that I know are the most important, like who Jesus yeah. is, who God is, what Jesus came to do, what He did, and those those key aspects of the the Christian faith, those core things, they just come clearer and more reinforced. But Mm -hmm. there are things that get foggier and foggier. And the more that you study God, the more you will understand how complex he is. And his just never, like our understanding cannot comprehend him. So that's one thing I will say. The the important things get clear. And sometimes the things that are more confusing get a little foggier, but that's okay. That's going to happen. And I think that's a common experience, I would say. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think just because eventually, even if you don't know something, you can come back to those core things and like those are enough to trust because yeah. they're the most central and most like prominent and most important you know um, parts of faith so very true we did mention a little earlier too that we are going to talk about where deconstruction originated because we think that's really a key aspect of understanding deconstruction deconstruction as it is today 
and kind of see where it came from. So I did mention it kind of cropped up from the postmodernist movement. And that, you know, what a surprise given what I explained in my postmodernism episode and, you know, what mm-hmm. I just summarized a little earlier about knowing if absolute truth exists or not. So uh, from an article on John Piper's Desiring God blog, quote, in the 1960s, a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida, I think I'm saying that right, who lived from 1932 to 2004, began to advocate for a postmodern philosophy of language and its relationship to our conceptions of meaning that he called deconstruction, end quote. So that's kind of the first time we see it used formally, which is so interesting because that's just not at all really how we use that word today. I feel like today we kind of use that word to figure out like what parts of the Christian faith serve me, serve my understanding of the world, serve what I believe about justice or what I believe about others, what I believe about myself. But really what we're seeing here is when it first originated, it's like, let's take language and meaning and, and start stripping it down to what we really think it means. And again, that idea that Ideas and truth is only supposed and communicated through the barriers of our language, through the barriers of our cultures, all those different layers of who we are, even the nature versus nurture, that truth truth is only seen through all those millions of layers in your life. And that's why everyone's going to come through to a different conclusion. That's what deconstruction Mm -hmm. is like it or not. That's what, that's what we have to work with. So like you mentioned, what we can choose is that route or we can choose the critical thinking using the Bible to deconstruct the bad things that we may have been raised with or taught and using the Bible as a measure for those rest of those things. Cause those are two, two like big paths that you can take. I don't know. What do you think of that? Like, do you have any thoughts on that definition or that origination? Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, cause I didn't realize, I guess like how separate it was from faith mm-hmm. when it started. Um, because definitely now, if you think about deconstruction, it's always like deconstructing my faith. It's just interesting to hear that when it originated, it was more like the philosophy of language Mm -hmm. and its relationship to our conceptions of meaning. It wasn't Mm -hmm. faith-based. Like it it didn't have anything to do with that at the beginning. And then it's kind of slowly creeped into the church and been this thing where now that's really what it's associated with. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. I think that's kind of what happens when we as a church let ideas and things kind of just run wild. And like, we don't critically think about them. We don't hold them up because I don't want to be a skeptic about everything. I want to, I do truly believe there's tools that we can use to understand our faith and to live out our faith well, that mm-hmm. may not have originated necessarily in something that's related to faith. But this is one where I just kind of feel like we let it seep in and we really didn't do anything about it until we saw all these people losing their faith or like walking away from the church. I guess that's a better phrase that I'll use, at least for me, because that's I didn't really hear about deconstruction until until it related to faith. I'd never heard of it in any other context. And so, again, it's this idea that instead of truth permeating language and culture, it's the other way around your culture, your language, your life will permeate truth. And that's just Mm -hmm. a really dangerous idea on its face. But even when it spirals into the implication, you can just see how like it just gets worse and worse from there. So, yeah, this is something that you can really see spiritual warfare into, because I definitely think it's taken a hold of a lot of Christians as well. Um, And I mean, again, repeating what I said earlier, like, It's not that this can always be a bad thing, um, you know, that we can't hold things up to scripture. But I do think that sometimes it's used by the enemy to to also kind of take hold of people's minds and like really just cause them to begin to ask questions that um, really are kind of pointless. You know, like they they'll start asking questions that won't lead them to truth. They just kind of lead them to their own um, desires and their own, um, doubts and fears. And it just ultimately leads them down a bad, a bad Mm -hmm. path because they start, you know, kind of trying to make faith into something that it was never supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know, it was never intended to be from the first place. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think another interesting thing that at least I've noticed with the deconstructive deconstruction movement is that a lot of the questions are what if questions like, what if, God is this, or what if he is Mm -hmm. not this, or what if this didn't happen? 
this thing that the, the, the scriptures are claiming happened? Or what if this isn't true? And it's not to say that what if questions aren't useful in some cases. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're not absolutists here on saying like, that's always bad. But what I consistently find is that people ask themselves those questions because they kind of already know what answer they have in their mind. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that idea of confirmation bias in psychology that you're going to seek the answer, the answer that you already kind of have in your mind. Yeah. What you're going to seek out is what you already think. And I find that because, because a lot of times an event or something will set in motion that deconstructionist journey people kind of already have the answers and then they ask the question and then they walk away from the faith instead of coming into it with open mind, which with what I would call really faith-filled deconstruction, say, God, I'm really struggling with this part of faith or of you. Like I need answers. I'm going to come to your word for it. And I'm ready for you to correct me or write my way of thinking so that I fully understand or Mm -hmm. so that I can help me accept the things that I won't be able to understand. But a lot of times people come into it because they already kind of know how they feel about something and they kind of just want to find something that's going to confirm that. Right. This is not something that I know some people like to hear what I'm about to say. Yeah. Um, but to be totally honest, like nine out of 10 times, scripture says what it says. Like you don't have to do these mental gymnastics or this try to work around of what it says or, Oh no, it's symbolism. Like this is what it really meant. Or like that was cultural. So it doesn't apply today. Like so many of those things, to be honest, are just us trying to make scripture say something it doesn't say. Mm -hmm. Um, when honestly nine out of 10 times, it's not symbolism. Like, yes, there are books in scripture that are more poetry books are, are, you know, more narratives. Like they're telling a story about something, et cetera. Um, but anything that is instructional or, you know, says something very outright, says something very directly within scripture, like it says what it says. You don't have Mm -hmm. to do that to try and make it something that it's not. And if you find yourself doing that, it might honestly be a time for self-reflection. Like, why am I doing that? You know, why am I trying to make it? And we've all done this, you know, where we're like, well, maybe it means this because then Mm -hmm. I can do this. And we kind of tried to justify different things in our lives by making it say something that we want it to say rather than what it actually says. Um, And I think if we find ourselves doing that, that's the time to definitely to look inward and to think, okay, where is that coming from? Like, where is the root of that? And is that something that I genuinely need to lay down at the feet of Christ? Like, is that something that I need to repent of um, or change my mind about because I'm letting something else creep in? I'm letting, you know, my own selfishness or my own fears or my own desires creep in when those are not um, of the Lord, when those are not, you know, of Christ. Um, Because I think that can happen a lot, especially when we get into the mindset of deconstruction, um, where we kind of start to do that Um, And I'm not trying to be condemning in any way, because like I said, I know we've all done this. I know I've done this, definitely. Um, But I just think it's something that we, especially as Christians, need to be aware of. Like, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to do that. It's okay to wonder, you know, what scripture says and why it says that. But I think at the end of the day, if we find ourselves like trying to fit scripture into our lives instead of trying to obey what scripture says, that's a red flag. Like that's a, that's a sign of something else going on. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that, even though that's not necessarily something that's going to be popular that people want to hear, because honestly, the scripture isn't really, the scriptures itself are not something people always want to hear. It's going to correct you. It's going to rebuke you. It's going to convict you. That's the whole point to show you who you are in relation to God or how, how little, how undeserving you are of his love and how deserving you are of his wrath and fury and justice. But the fact that he loved you so much, this is what he did for you. That's the whole point of the Bible. So when we, we, when we go into the scriptures and it's still important, of course, to do the proper, uh, the proper like hermeneutical and exegetical aspects of reading the Bible so that we're understanding the cultural context. We're understanding the language context in which it was written, all those really important things. But to not try to fit it into what we would like it to mean because it really cheapens right. the scriptures. It just takes away the whole point of what God is trying to communicate to you. The story of how we failed and how he completely came to our rescue and is still in the, in the 
process of doing so, right. <clears throat> which is so crazy. Like for you to take the scriptures and then just take it out of context to fit what you want it to mean, it, it just completely cheapens that narrative for you and not for God. Cause he's still on his mission. It doesn't matter, but you're the one who's missing out. You're the one that's going to walk down the wrong road. And that's honestly the, the most tragic part of it that, that you're going to miss out on that. So that's, yeah. that's what we're trying to warn against is not, not trying to make the Christian faith into something that serves you. Cause a lot of times it's not going to feel that way when you're supposed to be suffering with Christ and serving for him, but ultimately knowing that just the gospel story itself, it's, it's the gift to you. So with that said, we do want to jump into a little bit more of what deconstruction is characterized by, because we've talked about the origin, we've talked about the definition, but we want to kind of get a little bit more into the nitty gritty parts of that. And so again, like we've mentioned a lot of times, it is helpful to deconstruct certain things like our cultural biases or things that we've been taught that might not have been good. You know, it's good for us to hold up every ideology, every thought, every doctrine against the word of God and see if it's true or not. But, you know, we don't want to be intentionally entering into deconstruction with the purpose of discrediting the Bible or our faith or God. So we kind of feel like today's deconstruction from what we've seen is really all about the latter while pretending to be about the former, pretending to be this righteous, holy, good thing, but it's really just doing the opposite. So we want to talk about a couple of different things, a couple of different parallels we see between America and even Israel. And Liv's going to kick us off with the first one. Yeah. So we kind of just wanted to do like a side-by-side comparison, if you will, Mm -hmm. of um, things that we saw uh, like, similarities that we we mm-hmm. saw between America today like the like specifically the west i would say like western culture is probably um what we're discussing here just because that's what we live in right <laughs> um that's the perspective that we're entering into this from especially since that's the very like that's where we see deconstruction thriving right now mm-hmm. um and then we kind of wanted to compare that against Israel in the old testament and just kind of how both in a lot of ways we see them acting faithless mm-hmm. um so like the first one that we noticed was um in America or just in the west what we perceive as a lack of justice in the world like for instance violence shootings pain and poverty and then in Israel Um, That kind of compares to constant breaches of God's law and violations of his commandments. Some examples of this would be like child sacrifice, idolatry, violence, hatred, and sexual promiscuity, which some of these things, you know, we also see today. Yeah, I think these, these things really give rise to questioning. Like if God's moving, if God's really doing what he says he's doing, because I even think this isn't like the story of Israel necessarily, but I was just reading Esther and like God's name is not mentioned once in that book, but you see him working on in every single chapter and every single different aspect of the story that you're reading. And this just kind of goes to show we're seeing, we're seeing so many things that could rightfully make us question, like, is God around? Like, is he really just? Is he really doing what he says he's doing? So we're seeing all this evil. We're seeing all this pain. And that's why we wanted to mention this because like, don't get us wrong. We think it's important to, to notice those issues and the things that we see in the world. And we don't want to say that your deconstruction shouldn't at all be present or shouldn't be asking any questions because there are events, there are situations or things you're going to see in life that happen to others or to yourself that might start you on this journey. And so we just want to acknowledge that, that there's like a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of pain. And we see those kind of parallels between what's happening in America and the faithless Israel that we see when we read the Bible. And there's a lot of violence and a lack of justice in those situations. And another aspect of that too is what we kind of see as moral corruption in our world. So for America, there's morally corrupt or the very, the most charitable I could give it is probably morally questionable inconsistencies in our leadership, our political leadership, sometimes our church leadership, like, you know, leadership of our employers, like all types of different groups we see issues with leadership. So I don't even think it's political or even controversial to see that like we've seen line after line of line of people that we can't admire we can't look up to we can't emulate as followers of christ although we want to we want to be able to look up to our leaders and that's something really similar we see in israel like my gosh like we could go through the whole list of first and second Mm -hmm. kings and talk about just like the list that goes on and on of faithless 
sinful, abhorrent leaders over Israel, different kings and judges and people that compromise themselves over and over again to please the public, which is exactly what we're seeing in America as well. So people that led God's chosen people into evil. Um, And those are people that conquered Israel. And those were people that were within Israel. So our enemies aren't always just the outside, like sometimes they are among us. And so that's just another parallel that we're seeing. Um, And then one of the last parallels we could go on, but this is the last one that we kind of wanted to mention is that right now there's a lot of confusion about God's plans and his intentions for marriage and family and sexual faithfulness. Like that's just one example. There's so many, but there's a lot of harmful ideas out there about gender and sex and marriage that permeate all facets of our life and can really harm innocent people, namely children. And we mentioned this in our first parallel, but there's those breaches of God's law. So what it results in is sexual degeneracy, like everyone living for themselves. And it really harms the cycle of families and of children who then grow up to be parents who then don't have good models um, for their relationships. And Judges 21 verse 25 is an example of when Israel showed this. And it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this verse just give me chills. Like, it just reminds me how lawless and faithless Israel was at the time. And that's kind of something that we're seeing right now in America. And it can be really scary. It can give rise to a lot of doubt. It can give rise to just fear, like fear that we're going in a bad direction or that we're not going to be able to stop this train that feels like it's just fallen off the tracks. And so for Christians looking at the situation, we have, we can have a lot of just like not wanting to know where the future is going. So that's Mm -hmm. another parallel that we are kind of seeing between America and Israel. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, with those things, that's part of the reason why, like as believers, it's such a blessing, like that we can have hope Mm -hmm. in those things. Um, It kind of just makes me think of, you know, like the chapter that we read in Ecclesiastes recently, and we're actually going through Ecclesiastes at my church Right now, we're doing a series through it and just how um, the author who, you know, is thought to be Solomon is just talking about how everything under the sun is meaningless um, and how, you know, it kind of cycles like over and over and over again, like the same things happen. And I think we can all say that, (laughs) like we've seen that, Um, you know, I know like for me, even in just my 24 years on this earth, I've seen it. over and over and over again, you see wars, you see shootings, you see horrible things just happening over and over and over again. Um, and sometimes it does genuinely kind of feel like, when is this going to end? Like, it's not going to end, is it? Um, and honestly, it like it has an end. At some point, it does. God will make it right again. Like Jesus will return and create a new heaven and a new earth to restore everything. But this world, the way that it is right now, technically is never going to like get better, if that makes sense. And that might sound hopeless, but honestly, like as believers, our hope is not in this world. You know, it's not in the things around us. It's not in this life. Um, Sometimes it might seem like it because that's like what we're living in and it's all very real. Um, But I think it's just important to point out like, as believers, we don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear the fact that this world is going in a bad direction because um, ultimately it will be restored someday. But even if we never you know, see that in our lifetime, even if we don't see Jesus return in our lifetime, we can still know that our hope is in Christ, that it's not in the things around us, that it's not in something finite and something that's constantly dying and constantly just cycling over and over and over again and, you know, consistently shows just evil things. Um, You know, it's in Christ who is good and who is just and who will make it right again someday. So it's definitely something to just find encouragement in and find hope in as Christians. Um, So we did want to kind of share just a little bit of our personal experiences with uh, faith deconstruction, whether that can be ourselves or other people that we know, people close to us. So, um, Allison, did you want to share, like, have you ever experienced like a crisis of faith or do you know someone who has? Oh my, I was re- <laughs> this is a part I feel like is really important on this episode, but it's still like hard to talk about a little bit, but 
you and I have had conversations about like crisis of faith moments. Like we've had those times and I've had definitely had times like that. But one thing I will share about deconstruction is kind of the way that it impacted me personally, but through another person, I didn't really know a lot about deconstruction, even just a couple of years ago. It wasn't really something I was aware of or following, especially becoming a young adult and growing in my own faith. It was just not something that was on my radar. But I remember someone coming to me, one of my friends who's a really close Christian, and she's like, I'm deconstructing my faith. Just like, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? I wasn't really aware. And ultimately, over the series of a couple years and so many conversations, late night conversations, praying together, earnestly seeking, or what I thought was earnestly seeking with her and being in the trenches of that with her and having a lot of moments, even for myself, like, do I believe what I'm saying to her and having to remind myself of the truth? I, I watched her walk away from the faith. And that was really hard. I remember not having talked to her in a while and we were catching up and I'd asked her something about, like, you know, are you giving this over to God? And she's like, oh, I, I thought I maybe I forgot to told you, tell you, like, I'm not a Christian anymore. And that was so hard. Mm-hmm. Just like watching somebody else walk away from the faith and feeling like you're kind of the person left to like pick up the pieces of their doubt because it's kind of permeated your own life. And if you've let it, because I let it to some extent. There are things that I had to put back together and reconstruct in my own faith journey, but it's also really hard because you lose kind of that piece of your relationship with them that was the most important, was the most foundational, was your shared faith in Christ and knowing that your sister's in Christ and that you're eternally going to be hopefully sharing that. Mm -hmm. So that was a really hard, just really hard because... It takes you through your own doubt, but then it also takes you into the deepest, darkest parts of someone else's doubt too. And it's really hard to feel like that came, that amounted to nothing. From my perspective in the moment, I felt like it amounted to nothing because she walked away from God Mm -hmm. and from her faith. But for me, I did know that it did make my faith stronger. And there are moments where that didn't really feel like a lot of consolation (laughs) and there's still days it doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of my like closest kind of crisis moment with deconstruction and my experience with it. And part of why I'm so passionate about talking about it and really dissecting it because it's, this isn't just some theoretical thing. Like it's, it's impacting people today, right now, even you listening, you might've started on this journey of deconstructing. And I want to intervene and say, like, bring it back to the word of God. Like you don't have to let things even traumatic events in your life, you don't have to allow things to separate you from God. God says that there's nothing that can separate you, nothing that you're going to witness, nothing that can happen to you, no politics, no no ideology you're going to hear or anything that can really separate you from the love of Christ. And that's why I really felt like this episode was something that I wanted to do because of that experience that I had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in circumstances like that, like it can seem so sad just because it's like you really spent so much time with that person and like poured, I just just like poured into them, you know, like as another believer and like wanting Mm -hmm. to help them, wanting to see them Mm -hmm. truly be brought to the Lord. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be so hard. I think the thing is, and this is something that I know I've learned in my own life, Um, and seen in my own life that I find really comforting about anything that has to do with deconstruction is that I truly believe that like God doesn't lose his sheep, you know, like scripture says, he'll leave the 99 for the one. So like, I do think that in some circumstances, like someone can walk away for a time or someone can have doubts or whatever it may be. Um, but I truly do believe that like, if that person is genuinely saved by the grace of God, that God will keep them. Um, and that might mean, you know, a time of doubt for them. That might mean like a season of hardship or of not knowing, but I, I don't think that's like something that you can just, uh, shake off, you know, if you're truly saved by grace, if you're truly, um, regenerated by the Holy spirit, because I feel like. I know for me personally, 
Um, I went through a time where I really was deconstructing my faith in a lot of ways. And I mean, at that time it was like a couple of years ago, so it wasn't quite as like popular, like <laughs> you might not have called it that at that time. No, I definitely wouldn't have. I didn't even know what that would mean at that time. But, uh, ironically enough, it was when I was in Bible school, but I think it was just because I went to, um, let me just tell you guys like Bible yeah, school, seminary, etc. will test your faith. Yes. It will bring you to the limit because you're studying all these things and you're doing it with the intention of wanting to go into ministry, of wanting to know God's word better. And so not only will you find things that you didn't realize were true or find gaps in your own theology. Um, I even found some gaps that were like different things I believed I realized contradicted one another, like things like that. So you'll, you'll find things like that, but you'll also deal with a lot of pushback because you're trying to study these things. And obviously, you know, as a Christian, the enemy does not want that. It doesn't want you to know more about God's word, to love him more, to want to glorify him more by learning more about him. So there's a lot of pushback with that. And a lot of times it comes with this extreme like heaviness and questions pop up and doubts pop up. And so it's like, it's so much more than academic because there's just, it's like a constant battle that's <laughs> going on because the more that you learn, the more that you're like, Hmm, like, what does this mean? And what does that mean for me? And when, you know, fill in the blank. So I remember when I was in Bible school, like I started to just learn a lot of things that I never thought about before. You know, I learned a lot of views about different things and the school that I went to, I couldn't even tell you what denomination it was because they basically taught so many different views on everything. And then we're like, and you have to figure out for yourself, like what you believe. Mm. And that was like kind of a good thing because it, it did teach you a lot of perspectives and it did teach you to kind of think for yourself and think critically on things. But because it was so much information, literally every single day, it got very overwhelming very often where it was just kind of like, what do I believe? Like, what does this mean? Like, I don't know. And so um, that was really hard. And I do remember like at one point just feeling so overtaken by like fear Mm -hmm. and doubt and just feeling like, I just don't even want to do this anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Like when you just trying to like think about everything and I'm just like so afraid that I'm going to be wrong. And I'm so afraid of like all these things. And I just remember like sitting with a friend and literally just crying and telling her like, and I don't even know why this made sense in the moment, but it did in my own brain. Um, Basically just telling her like, maybe if I just decided that I didn't want to do this anymore and I just like wanted to just live my life for myself and kind of just embrace like the whole other side of things, like just embrace the sounds terrible, but like embrace just like the evil and the darkness in this world and just kind of like, just like let it be, I guess, instead of fighting it so much, then like I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore because I just like would just be engulfed by it kind of thing. And I remember saying that. And even as it came out of my mouth, I like looked at her and I was like, but I can't do that. And she was like, why not? And I was like, because I in order to do that would have to say that I don't believe that God is who he is and that he exists, you know, and that like this whole thing is true. You know, like I was like, and I can't do that. Like I literally physically cannot do that. Like I can't just like walk away and be like, yeah, God isn't real. He doesn't exist. And like, none of this is true because I know that it is. It was like at the end of the day, you can throw all the information at me. You can throw all the doubts. You can throw all the fear at me. But at the end of the day, I couldn't walk away because I could not possibly do that knowing that God was who he said he was. And I think like in that moment, that's when I realized like he will keep his sheep. You know, like there was just no way that I could walk away. Like not completely. You know, like I would have moments of doubt. I would have moments where things didn't make sense. And I wanted to even denounce it, but I just couldn't because Mm -hmm. there was just something in me that literally wouldn't let me. 
Um, and like, now I know like that was the Holy spirit. Like you, you literally physically cannot denounce Christ as someone who has the Holy spirit indwelling within them. So like, it's just, it's comforting to know that because you can ask all the questions in the world. It doesn't mean that you won't, it doesn't mean that you won't experience fear. It doesn't mean that you won't have a million questions. It doesn't mean that you won't have doubts, but I truly believe and I've seen it in other people's lives too, not just mine, that like at the end of the day, he will keep you mm-hmm. um, if you are his, you know? So it's like deconstruction can do its best, but at the end of the day, if you're his, you're his mm-hmm. and you're going to stay with him because he chose you, you know? So I think that that's just something encouraging that we we have to remember as Christians, um, because if you are a true follower of Christ, you know that you are. You know, you know, you've been called by him. You know that you've been chosen by him. And I think you can just take comfort in that. Even if you you walk through really dark seasons, just Mm -hmm. that like he's there with you. And it's not a matter of like, well, I'm just going to give up now. It's like, no, he's going to keep you. Because honestly, if we could have given up by now, we all would have. (laughs) So it's just kind of how it is. But that's a beautiful thing because he loves you and he is the best thing for you. Yeah. There's so many things I want to say in response to that. I love that story because I remember you told it to me a while back, but I just love hearing it every time. But first thing I want to say is like, this is why you go to business school, guys. <laughs> That's why you don't go to Bible <laughs> school. <laughs> because honestly, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Um, but the second thing that I want to say is that it really reminds me of like when we talk about and I think it's in first or second Peter, I, I can't remember exactly, but just being chosen by God, being like his chosen people, just the way that Israel was chosen, that he makes himself very clear. And also what kind of shepherd would he be if it was that easy for you to slip from his ground? What kind of God would he be? Not certainly not the one right. he says he is. Right. And Jesus wouldn't be who he says he is if that were true as well. And I mean, there's also a name for this too, like the perseverance of the saints doctrine, which it's something we can get into a later at a later time. I feel like our perform side is kind of showing when we're talking about that kind of stuff. But just again, that reminder that if you're his, you're his, like you can't be lost by something so menial and small as your own understanding. Like yeah. the Bible even tells us not to lean on our own understanding because it's going to deceive us. And we will open that door to Satan. He's he's going to walk right in. Like you, if you're going to let him in that way, he's going to come right. in. he's going to take every opportunity to plant doubt in your mind and what he's going to water that every day with situations Mm -hmm. until it grows. And so just a reminder for us as Christians to be vigilant about the ideas that we intake and the way that we go about our scripture reading and even our studying, if that's what the context is if we're pursuing our master of divinity degree, like some crazy <laughs> people, but like I, that, that story just encourages me so much. It really does because it's like, I've even had moments, the more I waded into scriptures when, when I started getting into like election and versus like free will, we can talk all about that, but there's different pieces of theology that have like, they really become hang up sometimes for me. And I have a really, like I wrestle with them and wrestle with them for a long time until like, even some days I feel like I think one way and the other day, I feel like maybe I've fallen on the other side of the spectrum, but just a reminder, get that that can't keep me from God. Like God, God is more powerful than my doubt, than my understanding, than my finite little brain. And he, as much as he's proved that he's loved me and loves me now, nothing I'm going to say or do is going to, going to separate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think something that Um, There's like a verse that just kind of embodies everything that we were just talking about that is really comforting to to me and I hope to you guys, Um, but it's Romans 8, uh, 30, and it says, and those he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there's no like space in those things, you know, there's no like yeah, I mean, he might do this. He might justify you. And then if you if you do all the right things and you stay on the right path, then you might reach the end and, and be glorified, you know, like, um, which, you know, in this context, glorified is just meaning, you know, basically brought to heaven, like brought into his glory. So 
um, like in our glorified bodies, if you will. So it's not like the same context as like we glorify Christ, but, but basically this verse is a promise, you know, that when you are someone who is called by God, you're chosen by God, you are his, his sheep, his child, his follower, that he is going to complete his work in you. Um, you know, that's not something that he's going to leave halfway or that, um, you're going to fall away from, you know, and that it doesn't even mention doubts or questions or deconstruction. It just says what it says. It just says that God will follow through, that God will complete his work in you no matter what. So, um, I think verses like that are really comforting too. just like talking about topics like this, because again, it's a promise that he's going to follow through and that he's going to be with us and he's going to continue to do a work in us until we're with him in eternity. Yeah. Agreed. I kind of leave this to our last part here. And that's really, we've touched on a little bit already, but just with our personal testimonies with it, it's kind of what we're asking ourselves, like, what should our response be to faith deconstruction? We're one of our Christian friends to come to us and say, I'm going to deconstruct my faith or should we be confronted with a question that we have no idea how to answer? Like what really should we do? <clears throat> Liv and I aren't here with the intention of trying to tell you what to do with your life. We are happy to provide warnings. We feel like are helpful for other Christians based on our experience, what we see, but we're, we're just going to encourage you mostly to not do anything in life without any purpose or intentionality. And that's to say that if you are in this journey or feel like it's the direction you're moving in to do it with purpose and intentionality and give your best energy and effort to it truly. In those times of fear or doubt or questioning, step back from that question and ask yourself the question that comes before that question. And that one is, What's the purpose of my deconstruction? What's the purpose of why I'm asking myself this question? Is it, is it truly so you can know God better, understand your theology better, fill in those gaps of your understanding as best as you can with the help of the Holy Spirit or truly, and you have to be completely honest with yourself and it's going to be hard, but are you trying to poke holes in the Bible, find ways to doubt God or find ways to justify or excuse your actions or your understanding of the world? And that's going to be one of the hardest things before you ever even get to the real question that's bothering you, the real thing, the real issue or doctrine that you're kind of hung up on is asking yourself and answering that question with yourself. Honestly, no one else can do that for you. You're going to have to be real with yourself on that one. And again, to kind of based off my experience, you know, how should we approach life and faith when it feels like everyone around us is doubting and deconstructing or walking away in some in some form or capacity, compromising what you guys have agreed on and know to be true as Christian friends or a Christian community? And it comes with just really just supporting that person who's experiencing that faith crisis in the best way you know how with the relationship you have with them. God has entrusted those relationships to you and he's asking you to steward them well. In my context, it's it's loving my friend regardless. I don't love her any less or any more. I love her just exactly the same uh, as before as when, you know, she was following the Lord. And I still love her just as much now. Like we're still friends, we still talk. That's still really important to me that she's in my life. And so supporting them as you always would. That's the really important part of it, but also not allowing certain barriers to be in place so that your faith, your values, and your life aren't being compromised by what someone else is experiencing is that's the most helpful thing that you can do for them in that moment. Did you have any comments to add on to that? Yeah, I think two things really. Um, The first one that comes to mind is like um, in supporting a person who is going through a faith crisis or who walks away or who's currently deconstructing, mm-hmm. like absolutely treat them with kindness, treat them with love, treat them with respect. Um, but also don't be afraid to tell them the truth. Um, like, don't be afraid to point them back to the truth of God's word and scripture. Um, and that doesn't look like telling them you're wrong. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but that can be just an open conversation and maybe even just prefacing it like, Hey, because I love you, because I care about you, could we open back up this conversation? Like, could we just talk about this, you know, openly? And, um, I would love to hear like why you have come to the place that you're at. I'd love to hear like what questions you have, 
I'd love to just hear like your thoughts on this. And like, can we just talk about this? And like in that pointing them back to the truth of scripture. Cause I think sometimes we really do need like a wake up call. Like we can always speak the truth in love, but truly loving somebody is telling them the truth. You know, um, they go hand in hand and we can do that in a kind way. We don't have to be, um, you know, like rude or cruel in any way, but it's just like pointing them back to the truth of scripture as well. Even if they don't like what you have to say, to be honest, because I think just faithfulness to scripture is so much more important than, um, anything else. And honestly, if you truly do love someone, you want them to know the truth. Like that should break our heart if someone doesn't. So I think like when we say supporting, like that's kind of what we mean in that, like not necessarily supporting them walking away from faith, but just supporting them in a way that we can hopefully lead them back. And again, like that's not our job. It's not like all on our shoulders to like make or break someone's faith. But just being like that tool that can be used by the Holy Spirit to like point them back to Christ as much as we can. And I think the other thing I was going to say is just like, just to not be afraid of these things, because I think it's really easy to like not want to touch it, if that makes sense. Like when someone brings up deconstruction or when someone like, you know, is deconstructing, um, like this is more in the context of other people, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, even with ourselves. True. Um it's like, just don't be afraid because we can trust that God is sovereign. We can trust that God is in control. We can trust in his sustaining grace. Um, so we don't have to be afraid of those doubts. We don't have to be afraid of those questions. We don't even have to be afraid of our fear. Like that sounds weird, but it's true. <laughs> like sometimes you just like, you're literally like afraid of the things you're afraid of uh, or afraid to be afraid, if that makes sense. Yeah. One last, one third thing that just popped into my mind as you're giving those two really great tips is to not put the pressure or burden on yourself to be the savior. Cause you kind of mentioned that briefly, but this is one thing that has really harmed relationships with me in my past is like, I put that pressure on myself to be the truth instead of just pointing to it. Yeah. The weight, the weight that you carry, if you're the one who's supporting someone else going through and you're the person that's you know, stand your ground and digging in your heels for the faith, that weight that you might put on yourself was never meant to be there. God does not condone you putting that weight on yourself to be the truth, to be the savior, to be the one that's going to answer all their questions and be their God. Because you're, you're putting yourself in a place that you are not meant to be in. It doesn't help them. And it certainly does not help you. And it, it, it's, it gives rise. It's kind of like a breeding ground for a bad relationship or a bad friendship and, you know, interdependence and things like that. But again, it just reminds me too of John the Baptist, but people be like, are you the savior? And he's like, no, 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 that's not me. I'm more than happy to point you to him. Like he's, he's coming, he's on his way. Mm -hmm. And just a reminder that we have, we only have to be pointers to, to Christ and how encouraging and freeing is it that we don't have to be the person with all the answers, but we can point to the person with all the answers. And on that note, I want to jump into the fourth thing is this sounds like a church, like the total church answer, but know your Bible. Seriously, know it, study it, take time with it. Don't rush through it. Don't ignore it. You're not going to be able to defend your faith the way that the apostles did if you're not aware of what's in it. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get, you are, you're going to get backed into corners. You're going to be asked straight up questions. And if you're not able, that that's fine if you don't. And that's totally okay to say, I don't know. But it's amazing to be able to say, I did study this. Like, and I want to share with you what I found. Mm-hmm. I'm not the truth, but I found it. And I want to share it with you. Honestly, know your Bibles. And this doesn't mean that you only have to study certain books or certain tenets or parts of the Bible. Every single part of the Bible will grow your faith and will reinforce those key things that I mentioned earlier. We talked about the most core doctrines. Like I'm reading Job right now. Like Jesus isn't mentioned once in it, but you see God and Jesus all throughout that book. So every single part of the Bible can benefit and edify your faith. Mm -hmm. And then just the last encouragement that we want to leave you guys with is that when you're covered by the blood of Jesus as a regenerated Christian, you never have to doubt where you stand with God. And it comes back to like not being afraid of the fear. Romans 8, it tells us very frankly, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. That's who we're pointing to. Like when you stand before the living God, would you rather be relying on your intellect and your understanding and your intelligence rather than the covering saving blood of Jesus? Because I know where I, what I'm going to be standing in and under. Mm -hmm. I would not want to explain to God all the ways I think that his justice or his ways or his truth was incompatible with my prescriptions for how life should be. (laughs) I'm not going to stand for very long. Um, so personally we know where we stand we'd much rather be covered by the blood of the blood of jesus than the constraints of our own minds (laughs) well guys that's what we have time for today we're so grateful that you joined us for this conversation this was one that that i really enjoyed having i hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to this episode we are super excited for what's coming down the line the next episode is kind of going to jump off just right what we were saying about who Jesus is. We're going to have an episode on the signs and wonders of Jesus, the personhood of Jesus. I'm super excited for that one. So uh, don't forget to follow us at Cedar and Cypress pod on Instagram, or you can also email us if you have questions or episode ideas to Cedar and Cypress pod at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye.